Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. A voice of many voices, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, and on the web at weru.org, grassroots community radio. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Strand Theater in Rockland, presenting an evening with guitarist Leo Kotke live in concert Saturday, October 8th at 8 p.m. Tickets and information at rocklandstrand.com or 594-0070. It's 10.01 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at weru.org. Common Ground Radio with your host CJ Walk from Mofka is up next. Good morning and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and organic agriculture here in the state of Maine, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is CJ Walk and I am your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. here on WERU. So today, for our show today, we are talking with members of the Maine Food Strategy and we'll discuss their recently released framework, which is a tool for helping to advance Maine's food system. Uh, But before we get to our guest in the topics, Uh, The topic for today, I did want to mention a few uh, of the calendar events that are coming up here in the next coming weeks that listeners may find of interest in our community. So um, tomorrow, on October 8th, is an Aroostook Apple Day for folks that are up north, and this is running from 11.30 to 4.30 at the Littleton Agricultural Museum up in Littleton, Maine, and there'll be all sorts of uh, presentations about... uh, about orcharding. So if you're interested in more information, you can contact the Southern Aroostook Soil and Water Conservation District, and their website is saswcd.org. And then um, on Sunday the 9th, we're looking at the Maine Cheese Guild Open Creamery Day, and this is running from 10 to 3 p.m., where you can visit many of Maine's cheesemakers in their creameries, meet the animals, and learn about Maine's more than 150 artisan cheeses. So a map and list of the participating cheesemakers is available at their website, which is the mainecheeseguild.org. And then towards the middle of the month, um, or actually next week, I guess, on the 12th, there is a gardening question and answer session with Eric Seidman, who is Mofka's crop specialist, and this is will be running uh, on the 12th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Um, at Mofka's Common Ground on the town, which is down at 769 Congress Street in Portland. And you can join Eric to listen to a presentation on organic gardening and be able to answer or ask him uh, questions that he'll be able to answer for you. So if you need more information or um, the the directions to the location in Portland, you can contact the Mofka office, which is 568-4142, or more information can be found on the Mofka website at mofga.org. 
So there's a few calendar items that are coming up that people may find of interest. And now I'd like to turn back to uh, our topic of the day, our show for, the, for today, which we'll be discussing the main food strategy. And I have uh, three guests with me here for the show today. And I will briefly introduce each of them and then come back around and ask them to kind of give a little more in-depth introduction. Uh, and then we'll get into the work of the main food strategy. So with me here in the studio is Tanya Swain, who is the project director for the main food strategy. Thanks for being here today, Tanya. Thanks, CJ. We're really pleased to be here. Okay. And then also in the studio is Erica Emery from Rustic Roots Farm um, out in Farmington, and she is on the steering committee for the main food strategy. Thanks for being here, Erica. Yeah, thanks for having me. And then on the phone line, just to check in, we have Brianna Warner from the Island Institute, who is the economic development director there. Are you here? Hi there. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay. Thanks for being here, Brianna. Um, so today we are talking about the main food strategy and uh, the recently, am I accurate in saying the recently released framework, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a tool for advancing Maine's food system. So I'd like to just kind of circle back around to our three guests. I'll start with you, Tanya, but if you could just kind of speak a little bit about, about your work um, before we get into further discussion about the topic. Sure. Thanks, CJ. Um, so I serve as the project director for the Maine Food Strategy Initiative. I've been with the project since its start, which was uh, sort of late in 2012. And I came to this work after serving as the executive director for the Western Mountains Alliance, which is a regional community development organization in the Farmington area, actually. And we did um, some work to try to connect producers with new markets using technology. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you, Tanya. And Erica, I'll look to you now. You can tell us a little bit about, about the work that you do. Sure, yeah. So um, I'm just uh, completing my first year on the steering committee for the Maine Food Strategy. Um, I came on because um, I was... I'm a farmer um, primarily, but I'm also interested in kind of larger scale food issues in the state of Maine. And um, there are things that I wanted to work on in my own community. And I was really curious, you know, who was working on those on a statewide level. Um, and so I found the Maine Food Strategy and um, they had some openings on the steering committee. So I, I joined about a year ago and um, I found some like-minded people. So I'm really happy to be on the steering committee there. Okay, great. Well, happy to have both of you here in the studio. And then, Brianna, if you could just kind of introduce yourself and speak a little bit about the work you do and how that is tied to the Maine Food Strategy Initiative. Sure. So I'm the Economic Development Director at the Island Institute, which is an organization um, supporting the sustainability of the year-round island communities and remote coastal communities of Maine. Um, so we were really interested in working with the food strategies for a number of reasons, but primarily a lot of the work that you all have been focusing on in the main food strategy is very much the work that we've been focused on for, for a while and being able to partner up with organizations that are equally as concerned about the future of, of food in, in Maine, but specifically from our, from our angle, seafood and how it's integrated into that food system um, has been incredibly important for us and illuminating for us to make sure that we're, we're in line with what others are doing and, and able to enhance our own efforts. Okay. Thank you, Brianna. Thanks, thanks for joining us on the phone today. Um, okay. So I'd like to just kind of think about maybe a little bit of historical perspective, Tanya. Maybe you could give us a little bit of a, of a background around the initiative and how some of this work all came together. Sure. So the main food strategy really grew out of uh, interest on the part of 
folks in the NGO communities um, and also um, f some funders uh, several years ago who were seeing all the work happening in Maine to try to support agriculture um, <clears throat> and somewhat fisheries. And there was interest in trying to figure out how we could better coordinate those efforts as a state, um, both in order to share best practices, because there's a lot of really excellent and exciting things happening in different communities, um, and interest in trying to spread that information about what's working really well to other places, and also looking at our resources in the state and trying to figure out how we can collaborate where it makes sense and try to make the best use of the resources that were being dedicated um, to this area. Okay. All right. Great. And then um, about when was this kind of starting to pull together? Yeah. So it was around 2012. And I guess the other thing I would note is one of the other um, pieces that sort of inspired the idea behind trying to have a statewide initiative like this um, was that around that same time, the Vermont Farm to Plate Initiative was starting. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a similar effort um, happening in Vermont. Um, and their process was a little bit different than ours, but the intent was the same in that they were trying to organize people around a set of shared goals and then trying to measure progress towards those over time. Um, and then the other piece I would just note that's related to that is that all of the New England states right now are in various stages of developing their own uh, statewide food plans or initiatives. And uh, the intent is over time to look at ourselves as a region and think about how, uh, as New England, we can continue to grow and support the sector. Okay. So similar initiatives are happening in other yep. New England states. I imagine with the goal down the line to kind of merge together or at least collaborate somehow. Yep. I imagine there's plenty... Um, plenty common goals. It is. One of the interesting pieces about all the statewide plans is that each of them had a different process. They all sort of started from ground zero in terms of the conversations they were having with stakeholders. And all of the plans have ended up in a similar place um, in terms of people's interest. And this is, this is great because it sort yeah. of validates where everybody's at. Um, people's interest in a food system that supports sustainable production, that provides decent uh, livelihoods for people, um, that's really integrated in communities, um, and that's addressing the food security piece. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, then in terms of, you had mentioned some of the other um, organizations um, curious within the main food strategy, are there other organi organizations that you're working with directly um, or that looking to collaborate kind of in the future now that your framework is, has been established? Yes, thank you. That's a great question. Um, so right now what we're doing uh, through the framework is we have this set of goals that we feel pretty confident that people are in some agreement around. Mm -hmm. And so our next course of action is to try to bring partners to the table to look at where it makes sense uh, statewide to collaborate on some of those. And some of the groups that we've been talking uh, to, especially in relation to um, the network gathering that we're organizing for December 2nd, um, our cooperative extension um, MAFCA has been engaged in those conversations. Um, some folks from Grow Smart, from Maine Farmland Trust. Um, we have some folks from the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association and uh, the University of Maine in general. Um, there's quite a few groups. We've also had some great folks from uh, Department of Ag and Department of Marine Resources that have given us some input on the agenda for that event. So mm -hmm. um, we're basically looking at looking to people 
um, that have resources or expertise to offer to help figure out what the specific next step should be in the uh, goal areas. Okay. All right. And then, Erica, I wanted to ask you, um, I guess, in the, or how you kind of hooked up with, with this initiative. Um, you expressed your interest in kind of the intro piece there. I'm just curious how, as a farmer, you found your way into working with this group of folks. Yeah, so uh, when I first joined the main food strategy uh, steering committee, I think there was maybe one other producer on that um, committee, and there was a lot of people from um, all across the state, um, and uh, I was excited to be a producer to kind of lend my voice um, to what was happening as uh, those goals were being refined. Um, Tanya and the steering committee had done all of this work to get input for what was important to people across the state um, for what they should be working on um, in the food system. So it was really exciting to kind of lend the farming voice um, and kind of you know, talk to people about what you're thinking about when you're weeding carrots and what, what you want to see happen um, in your community and across the state. Uh, so that was pretty exciting. And um, as as I kind of dug deeper into um, the work with the steering committee, um, it was it was just really it was really cool the way that Tanya has really pulled um, business folks and and producers and um, people all along the food distribution channels and um, nonprofits uh, into this organization. So it's really kind of a melting pot of all this stuff that's going on. And so for me, um, it's really interesting to kind of have some ideas of, of where you want to see your own farm or your own community or your state and then know that there's a place that you can go where all these people are coming together and talking about the things that, that are important to you. Yeah. Good seemed like it worked out well yeah so finding that connection with the group yeah um and then brianna i wanted to ask you a bit coming kind of from the uh fisheries component of the work i'm just curious about some of um maybe the organizations there uh that you would be looking to get involved and make sure that fisheries voice is heard because i know in a lot of local food discussions people tend to think about the more agricultural crops but there definitely seems to be uh, definitely growing interest and identification that the fisheries component is is looking to be pretty essential in a long-term food vision for New England. Yeah, so um, our economic development work is basically based around the idea that, you know, we have a monoculture on the coast of Maine. Um, there, lobster is the single most valuable species landed in the U.S., and 80% of that comes from Maine. There are about 6,000 licenses um, being held out there, and most of those licenses and the people fishing are completely reliant on that one single fishery. So this is a scary thought for the coast of Maine and its sustainability into the future, especially with the components of climate change and ocean acidification. And in fact, there was a great um, fisheries primer that came out, written by Robert Robin Alden from um, Penobscot East Resource Center um, as a component of this Maine food strategy. And I have to just say a side note that Robin is being honored right now at 10 o'clock um, as a White House champion of change for sustainable seafood, one of 12 people in the entire country um, being honored in, at, the, at the White House uh, for, the, for this. And she wrote a fisheries primer for the Maine Food Strategy that kind of lays out our monoculture in Maine. And the real, um, the real, the, the critical aspect of this as climate changes and how, you know, these communities just so reliant on this fishery, it's, it, it, you know, what, what happens in the future if the fishery collapses or in bad years when, um, you know, like 2012 when the price just plummets. 
So a real interest in diversifying income in these communities, and that's what our economic development program is based on. So it's sort of a no-brainer to join up with the Maine Food Strategy, who's who's really focused on um, having full discussions about what the food culture in Maine is and how to make sure it's more integrated. Because without diversification into value-added products or more local, more money from the fishery coming back into the local communities or into aquaculture, shellfish aquaculture, small-scale kelp aquaculture. Without those discussions, then we're looking at a very um, a very scary future for the fisheries of Maine. So that's where we see our role being involved in the Maine food strategy, and we're just really excited that it's, you know, it's such an important industry in Maine, and, and the fact that the Maine food strategy has integrated this into it, um, I think is, is just really important. I think you made a really good point, CJ, that many people don't think of the fisheries in the food system, um, and considering its giant um, impact on the on the economy of Maine, I think that would be, um, you know, that would be a, a real hit um, if people didn't start thinking of it more involved and ingrained in our food system. Okay, and if I could also add too, yeah, I definitely. think I think it's uh, really important to hear that that fisheries point of view, um, because I think there's so much that, you know, traditional ag in Maine could learn from fisheries and vice versa. So it's good Mm -hmm. to have all of those voices in the room um, in terms of best practices and, and, you know, what are those guys doing that we can replicate or build on or, um, you know, work on together. Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely a robust community of people working on this is is only good. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one thing that I think really interesting, Erica, is, you know, as a farmer, you probably really understand um, and and historically in Maine, the farmers have more of a introduction to who their end base is, who the consumers are. There's far established farmers markets, um, things like that. I think you know harvesters in the seafood industry in Maine have long had a tradition of you know getting the lobster out of the water, sticking it on a truck, and watching it go away. Um, so you know more of an understanding about what those consumer preferences are, who the end. Um, market is and kind of where that supply chain leads is is really important. And I think that's something that we can glean a lot of information from, from the agricultural sector in Maine, and be able to share those stories. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Brianna, I wanted to ask you a little bit of a follow-up in terms of, um, it's clear that sustainability is, is a, a big theme throughout this work. And within the fisheries, you mentioned, um, you know, kind of the lobster monoculture. I'm just curious about the um, what the options may be for diversity within that fisheries. I know that I am seeing and reading a lot more about uh, sea vegetables rather than um, mm-hmm. thinking direct uh, fish population. So I'm just curious kind of what trends might be growing in that sector. Yeah, so I mean, I think the first, first and foremost, the most important thing as that we kind of harp on as the Island Institute is it's not you know, working on the water is, is a primary aspect, cultural and economic aspect of these communities. So to keep people on the water into the future is really an important part of this. You know, we're not talking about um, figuring out how to get fishermen into the hotel sector, right? Um, but really looking at other ways to diversify within the marine sector. So one way is, is looking to vertical integration or more vertical integration in the in the lobster chain. So um, you know, people working together to be able to have processing um, capabilities or grading capabilities or grading tank at, at a co-op that might be able to let people have more of the the value chain of that market, you know, going back to their communities. 
Another area is is aquaculture, like you just mentioned. Um, you know, one thing that's really really special about shellfish and sea, and uh, seaweed edible seaweed aquaculture specifically is that um, the capital input is fairly low um, as compared to having you know ground fish, uh, you know, a, a fin fish um, aquaculture operation, but. You can get into, if you have a boat already and you have lines and moorings and, and all the equipment, I mean, you can start an oyster farm for fairly cheap. And same with seaweed. So we started a program, um, an aquaculture business development program, where, we're, where we looked for leaders within the lobster industry to bring them, um, to get them talking about aquaculture and seeing how we might be able to help them get into the water. So we, we do kind of a soup-to-nuts treatment where we, help people get leases, help people find siting, help people do business plans, financing, um, you know, help them best understand the value of um, shellfish marketing and introducing the buyers and distributors. And so the idea with this, and it's proven to be fairly um, successful so far, is to help leaders within the industry get into aquaculture and get the conversation started within the industry about how to diversify personal income. So we've had um, we had 22 people in our first our first round of, of this of the business development cohort, and uh, 19 of them either are already in the water or will be within the next year with a prospective impact of about uh, 8.5 million dollars over the next five years, and that's just 19 people. And these are individual owner operators who are going to be working on the shellfish and kelp industry, um, which diversifies their own personal income, but also makes the branding for Maine's aquaculture very strong. Um, so there are a lot of opportunities to diversify within the fishery without necessarily talking about getting people out of the water. And hopefully laying that groundwork now will help people kind of absorb any shock that comes from price price drops or supply drops within the fishery. All right, great. Well, that sounds, sounds like a good picture for diversity there. Um, I just wanted to take a minute to remind listeners that you are tuned into WERU, and this is uh, Common Ground Radio. Today we're talking about the Maine Food Strategy Initiative uh, and the work that they've been doing in producing a recent framework, uh, thinking about the vision of Maine's food system. And my guests on the show today are Tanya Swain uh, from the Maine Food Strategy. She's the project director in Erica Emery, who is on the steering committee, uh, but is a farmer at Rustic, Rustic Roots Farm in Farmington. And we have Bri- on the phone is Brianna Warner from the Island Institute. Um, so I wanted to ask a little bit about, um, I'm looking in front of me as the executive summary, and there's kind of a list of these goals and leverage areas. And Tanya, I wanted to ask you kind of about the how the goals, it seems like there is common uh, consensus that these are, are essential goals to focus on, but I was just curious about that process that had been um, gone through to be able to establish these goals and put them together for the framework. Sure. Um, so it was a challenging process, and everybody on the steering committee <laughs> will attest to that. Um, we started out just recognizing that Maine has done a lot of work already uh, before the food strategy started. Um, from various sectors and also within the state to try to identify some priorities, especially around agriculture, but also around aquaculture and uh, fisheries. 
So we initially looked at what recommendations people had already done research on and put out there. Mm -hmm. um, and then that was sort of a baseline for us to go around and talk to people and get more input and try to uh, see which ideas were really rising to the top, what was missing for folks, um, and then to distill that into the goal areas that are in the report. And I would just uh, note a couple of things. So we tried to uh, provide as many opportunities as we could for people to give us input as this framework was developing. So we did some online surveys of folks. Um, we had some subcommittees that got together and essentially looked at some really rough information and started to par it down. And originally we had, we had four goal areas that were focused around these four values, which have to do with economic development that provides lasting livelihoods, um, food production that also enhances our natural resources, um, trying to have healthy food for all people in the state, and trying to create um, food production here that also is in sync with communities and that communities are supporting it and that it's um, sort of a recognized and valued part of what we do in Maine. Um, as we got further into designing the goals and the leverage points, we realized that there was so much overlap between those sectors mm -hmm. um, that we, we did away with those sort of silos. And um, we've tried to represent that in the report um, because the food strategy's perspective on food systems is really holistic. And we're looking for where these different areas intersect. Um, and so that's, I think, an important part of how we've tried to present that information is to illustrate that we need to be thinking about all these different pieces. Mm -hmm. And then highlighting where there's intersection and overlap yep. and how those, <clears throat> those areas can collaborate. Yes. Okay. And just, uh, just another note on the overlap piece. So in terms of the food strategy, we're really focused on the full system. And one of the philosophies behind that is that if we bring together people from different sectors and from different areas of expertise, they can start to bring new eyes to some of the problems that we're facing, and maybe we can come up with some different uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like a good approach to keep, get everybody at the table and working together. Um, so I wanted to ask in terms of the establishment of these goals and leverage areas um, and, and the framework, uh, the full document that you've been putting out, um, how, where do you go from here, I guess, or how do you start to get this framework to, um, to be utilized or accessed by people and try to get more people to the table and more conversations happening. Sure. Um, well, there's a couple different ways that we're thinking the framework is going to be used. One is just by any individual organization or business that looks at this and says, okay, this makes sense to me. I can incorporate this in what, we're, what I'm already doing. Mm -hmm. um, and we've heard from some economic development groups, for example, that they can use the framework when they're developing their economic development plans to think about where they might want to focus some of their resources um, to develop agriculture or fisheries. Um, the other piece, though, and the piece that we're really trying to move as an initiative is this collaboration piece. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say that we are feeling our way because what we're really trying to figure out is how do we get a bunch of groups to the table to work on some stuff together? Um, and it's, it's challenging to do that. So one of the areas that our steering committee has been working on is going to be looking at over the coming year 
is trying to figure out uh, what the organizational systems are that would enable people to work together collaboratively like that. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking at is some different models for um, councils that might be organized around the value areas and then some specific work groups that are focused on some of the action items that are already emerging as areas that people really want to start doing something on the ground around. Okay. All right. And certainly anybody that's interested in um, participating in those uh, conversations and, and any kind of collaborative work or see something that they're doing related to um, an action area, we'd love to connect with them. Okay. All right. And Erica, was there mm -hmm. something you wanted to add within that kind of establishment structure realm? Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, like, like Tanya saying, that really the next step is with the goals, like how do you get the traction and how do you make the stuff happen? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as a, as a producer, right, we're all, we just want to do it. We just, you know, want to go in, we want to plant the stuff, we want to harvest the stuff. And so that's really where we're at um, with the steering committee. Um, and so uh, I think Tanya's also going to talk about this. We're having a network gathering to kind of get some um, ideas for, for what is working and what is, is, uh, is going well in the state and hopefully um, get people plugged in that way. Um, and, and as Tanya said, there um, are some subcommittees you could join, but there's really just entry points, I think, for everyone here. So if you're passionate about something or you want to make something happen and you don't know how to get it off the ground, um, the Food Strategy has an idea or someone they can send you to. Um, there's just, I think there's just ways for everyone to get involved um, with the food strategy, especially now that we have the goals. I think it's easy to go on the website and then look at those five goals that we have set out and say, oh, yeah, that really resonates with me. That's something that I want to work on. Mm -hmm. How can I get connected to the people who are already working on it um, and, and make some stuff happen? Yeah. Okay. It, and I just want to acknowledge that um, as Eric and I were talking on the drive up here, I mean, people are doing this work on the ground anyways in their individual businesses, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. in their individual organizations. Um, so in terms of the food strategy, um, our intent isn't necessarily to try to sort of get everybody organized. It's more to create a space where we can come together around some ideas that it makes sense to collaborate, and we can have some goals that we're all focusing on and that we can look at whether we're making progress over time. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of about... It is about the collaboration piece, but it's also about um, getting everybody pulling in the same direction in a few of these areas. Okay. All right. Um, well, I just want to remind folks again that this is Common Ground Radio, and we are talking about the Maine Food Strategy Initiative. And we'll be looking, looking to uh, open up the phone lines here in the next couple minutes. So if any listeners had comments or questions, feel free to call in, and that number here is one 866 Six two five nine three seven eight, and we'd gladly take your your question or comment for our guests. Um, so I guess I wanted to ask Tanya again, kind of I mentioned this framework, but um, I guess in terms of to get, get a picture for listeners, what is the framework? Seems like a very broad question, but I just thought I'd sure. put that on the table in terms of getting a description. Sure. So the framework is essentially um, the results of all this outreach. Um, and what it has in it is it has five goal areas that mm -hmm. there's pretty broad support that people feel are important for advancing food systems in the state. There's 13 leverage areas that sit under those goals and a bunch of different possible action items. And we didn't distill it down more than that because we wanted to put out what we heard, what seemed to resonate, and then let people decide where there's 
energy. Mm -hmm. um, and the other pieces that the framework has that are important um, is one, it has a sort of a spread in the middle that lists a bunch of partners. Um, again, we sort of recognize that there's a lot of work happening in the state. And one of the things that we're trying to do is look at who's already working on what goal areas, um, where there's gaps, and try to um, put that information out there so that people and organizations or working on projects can more easily identify each other if they want a partner or they want information on what somebody's doing that may be working. And then the other piece is um, our hope is that over time we're going to be able to look at those goal areas and actually show whether progress is being made mm -hmm. and continue to look at those and say, you know, are we going in the right direction as a state? Um, is there something else people want to focus on? Um, so there's a, a list of measures in there. Um, and we looked for some data sources that are already um, measured by, like, the federal government or state government that we can easily get information for, and we would like to start tracking those. Okay. So you have if, some if of I that. Could, if yeah. I could add to that, Tanya, I think one thing that's really impressive about these goals and, and the work within each of the goals is that it's all stuff that's very actionable and attainable. So this is not kind of a report that generally says, you know, we should help link up the food system that has very measurable and actionable goals as a way to do that. And I, I just think it's really important for the work that can actually be completed and done by part industry partners and nonprofits to partner with them to happen. Okay. All right. And so really it's about thinking moving forward hard how to bring these different partners together. So it's definitely been, it seems like it's been identified that various people are doing various work, but if they were talking more with each other or collaborating more, things would seem to be like they would move forward faster or more efficiently. That, that was what we understood talking to people. And I just also note one other thing. I mean, it was really to the steering committee's credit that um, what got produced out of this process wasn't um, like a big academic tomb. Um, their uh, focus when we started to try to put the information together was to have it be useful, to have it be accessible. Um, and they were pretty adamant that that's the kind of document it should be. Mm -hmm. And that seems like what was produced, right? <laughs> um, I wanted to ask uh, about some of those, you mentioned the goals and the leverage areas and then some of the action points. And I was just curious what maybe some of those action points that have come to the surface first are. Yeah, I think if you if you want um, a really good example, um, this is this is kind of me without my steering committee hat, but just as a concerned producer and you know member of my community, um, one of the things that I'm going to be working on this winter, um, I'm also the market manager for the Farmington Farmers Market, so that's another hat that I wear. Um, and one of the things that keeps coming to surface in our community that is also identified, you know, as one of these goals is is access to food, um, affordable food, and um, one of the things that we don't have in Franklin County is um, a matching SNAP program, which is very popular throughout the state. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to a farmer's market and you can get your SNAP bucks matched. Um, and there currently is not a market in Franklin County that does that. And, you know, as a market manager and a producer, that worries me. Yeah. And um, I don't, you know, I haven't quite cracked that nut for why we don't have that yet. Um, but, you know, what the food strategy is doing is I think, you know, that this food strategy has uh, made a place where I can, the goal has been set that, that Maine needs more access to affordable food. Um, and so now, as a producer or market manager, I could go to the food strategy and say, here's something that I want to work on, this very tangible thing, which is to get a program like this off the ground in Franklin County. Mm -hmm. Who else is working on this? Can you help me with next steps? Can you point me in the, in the right direction? Um, so that I think that that's like kind of 
you know, for me as a, as a producer, that's one of the things that I'm working on this winter in my downtime. <laughs> in your downtime. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a really good, that's a really good tangible example of, um, of that action point yep. where people could get involved. Um, are there other things that seem to be surfacing, Tanya, that... Yes, um, actually, at one of the meetings, so we had a series of meetings this summer where we were just introducing the framework to people, asking them if there were specific action items that they would be interested in working on. Um, and there were a few areas that started to come up. Um, one that is, <clears throat> excuse me, probably le of less interest to some of your listeners, um, but seems to be a need, is the idea of an information clearinghouse. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of uh, folks in different meetings talked about how there's information in various places um, that they're looking for. For example, um, that there, some producers were saying, we'd love to have one place where there's all uh, information on resources for um, financing. And, and that does exist in some places. It's just people have a hard time finding it. Mm -hmm. um, and, again, there's, there's a number of organizations that have some fantastic resource lists developed. Um, and for us, the question is, can we get folks together and think about how we can get this information out in a way that more people know how to find it? Yeah. Um, so that's one area. And then probably more on the ground is um, a meeting that uh, Bree's colleague Stephanie McLaughlin was at um, where we talked a lot about the fisheries piece and thinking about how some of the models that have been used in um, agriculture could be replicated for fisheries folks, um, specifically like meet the buyer events. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there's some of that that's happened, but trying to look at that more widespread in the state, um, introducing some of the uh, fishermen directly to people that would be interested in their product. Yeah, okay. And then, Brianna, I wanted to ask you, are there some kind of some of those specific action items that you see popping up in the fisheries and aquaculture realms? Absolutely. I mean, I think the goal number one, which is increased industry growth through marketing and sales and market opportunities, is something that we're taking very seriously. Um, a, a fish, another fisheries organization in the state, um, GMRI, Gulf of Maine Resource, in, Research, Institute, Research Institute, I'm sorry, um, just did a recent report on um, the market value of Maine shellfish um, and aquaculture shellfish. It was fascinating to see the value of Maine goods over value of, of uh, shellfish from elsewhere. Um, and we'd hope to see more studies like that in the future. We're looking to see if we might be able to do one for edible seaweed um, to help under people under better understand the market for Maine seaweed. I'm sorry, seafood goods. So. Um, I thought goal one was incredibly helpful um, to look at for the seafood industry and collaboration among different industry partners and nonprofit partners is essential for us to realize how we might be able to better market our seaweed, our seafood um, in the state and kind of capture that main branding that seems to have a lot of extra value. Okay. Sort of just to add on to that, um, yep. in Vermont, one of the... Um, areas that's emerged from their food planning process and activities, and they've been at a lot longer than we have, um, they put together a focus group of marketing professionals, and they actually developed profiles for all kinds of different consumers in Vermont. And so what they were essentially saying is for the, um, you know, like the classic Vermonter, the person that's been there their whole life, what are the messages that resonate with them if we're trying to get them to buy more local? 
Or what about, you know, the new person who's come there who's maybe more of a yuppie? What are the messages that resonate with that person? Um, and so essentially what they've done is they've developed this information that could be used uh, by anybody from a business to um, a marketing agency or the state that helps them look at specifically how they need to be talking to their consumers about their product in a way that's going to resonate with them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the, also the kind of thing I think we could do in Maine in terms of collaboration is to figure out uh, what, we, what we really need to be telling consumers and how we need to be talking to them about their, our products so that we can get more people buying more of this stuff more often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems like a good strategy there. Um, Okay, I just wanted to remind listeners again, this is Common Ground Radio. We are talking about the Maine Food Strategy Initiative, and uh, our guests today are Tanya Swain from the Maine Food Strategy and Erica Emery of Rustic Roots Farm in Farmington, who is on the steering committee, and Brianna Warner, uh, who is Economic Development Director from the Island Institute. And the phone line is open for any calls or questions listeners may have, and that number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. One of the things that I was wondering, and I guess I would ask this to you, Erica, is the piece about um, getting the the producers, farmer, and fishermen at the table. I know that I've seen other events and activities, and um, I manage a farm myself. It can be tough to pull away from that work uh, to think about the big picture, even when you are concerned. So I'm curious about. Um, what other involvement might be there in that producer realm or how you feel or gauge the interest is. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think that's um, why I joined the steering committee, like I had said in the first place, was I think there was a lack of producers on that steering committee, and that was concerning to me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it, it is hard to get the producers at the table because we're – we're working, you know, I mean, this morning, for example, we left Farmington at seven and I had to leave an intern with a list of stuff because we have a farmer's market tomorrow. So, yeah. um, you know, we definitely had to shuffle our schedule, you know, to talk about this really important thing that I like to talk about and I think is so important. And I think that other producers struggle with that. You know, how do you work on the big picture things that are important to you? but also run a successful business. I don't know if I have the answer, but like, yeah. I, I do think that, you know, um, if you, if you have something that you think is important, I, I would strongly recommend, um, you know, getting connected to the food strategy. We have a network gathering coming up in December where I think we could use more producers um, at that event to hear what's happening in the business world. Um, I think that a lot of times, you know, businesses and nonprofits want to help uh, producers with solutions to problems, but um, the producers have to you know, be there to help identify those problems. Um, and so that, that's really, right, that that's the rub that we always feel is how to yeah. get those producers to the table. I don't, I don't think I, I don't know if I have the answer, but there is a space for you if you have, you know, something that you want to work on. I just think the, the food strategy and the stuff that we're doing um, could always use more voices, and it's, it's such a welcome place to, to hear those voices. Mm -hmm. So would you think that some, I think within these uh, goals and leverage areas, um, if, I guess, would the, would the path be willing to kind of like go the direction where the enthusiasm and energy from interested folks would be within the structure of the document? Or have you outlined these are the three priorities and we really need to figure out how to make those happen? Yeah, that's a great question. So right now we have a few areas that emerged from the meetings that we had this summer, and we're going to be looking at those with the steering committee and trying to decide if we should go ahead and start moving on those. 
Um, I would just add in terms of um, producer engagement, because I know it is really hard for people to come to the table. And I think that one of the most important things that any business can offer is by um, letting us know and letting other people know what specifically would be useful mm-hmm. for their business. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when we're out talking to folks, people are really frustrated. There's a lot of conversation about what the issues are, the problems are. And it's hard to come up with the solution that's actually going to benefit that business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sometimes where we miss the mark, is you have people that don't know um, on the ground what a business needs. Um, so if folks have specific things like, you know, it would be really helpful if this could happen. Uh-huh. Um, that's the kind of stuff we really want to hear. And we try to reflect those types of ideas in the framework. Um, so one of the things I think you may not have in front of you today, CJ, is there's just a, a list of some pretty specific action areas that emerged during that process. Okay. And for sure, if people look through that and they're like, you know, this, this would be really meaningful for me. Um, we would love to hear that information because that'll help us focus. Okay. All right. Well, let's since we're talking about getting people engaged, how um, how would they go about doing that? I guess would you sure. be the person to contact? Um, I'll ask you to repeat some of this information right before we end the show. But I just thought that now for listeners, if someone wants a phone number to call or an email to <laughs> to write. How would people get in touch with you? Sure. Thanks, CJ. So um, we have a website, which is mainfoodstrategy.org. Um, there's an email address on there, which is mfs at mainfoodstrategy.org, and that's a great way to connect with us. Um, we have a relatively small staff. It's myself, um, my colleague, Sandy Gilbreth, and we have a student intern um, that just started with us this fall as well. Uh, so we'll try to respond to any inquiries as soon as possible, but that's email is probably the best way. Okay. And then the framework and documents are all available through yep. the website, I imagine. Yep, those are available for download. Okay. Okay, great. And then I wanted to ask, you've mentioned this network gathering on December 2nd, so I want to make sure that we had time um, for you to speak more about that, uh, give some more details for the for the listeners. Sure. Um, so the network gathering is December 2nd at the University of Maine Orono. Um, We've got a great group uh, helping to plan the agenda for that event. Um, Right now, it's just a a few highlights. Um, The morning, we're planning three uh, sessions that are focused on issues or opportunities that came out of the framework. Um, And each of those would have a panel discussion followed by a facilitated conversation with the participants on, okay, what specifically now? Um, And the topics um, I'm expecting, we're still kind of finalizing some of the panelists, but one of them is workforce development. Mm -hmm. One of them has to do with fisheries diversification. And the third one in the morning has to do with consumer education and some of those marketing messages I was talking about earlier. And that's just a highlight. There's some other sessions planned for the day, and we'll have all that information up on our website shortly and hopefully on our partners' Mm -hmm. websites as well. Okay. Well, it seems to me early December might be an easier time for some producers to to get away (laughs) and up to Orono for the day. Um, Well, I did want to just remind uh, any of our listeners, if you have a comment or question, the number is 1-866-625-9378. And we are talking about the Maine Food Strategy uh, Initiative. And I think we're looking at maybe 10 minutes or so left on the show, and I just wanted to make sure that each of you had a chance to uh, give any information that you may have, you know, make sure you wanted to get that out there on the show today. So 
Brianna, I just wanted to check in with you and see if there are any any points um, that you wanted to really get across to listeners about your involvement with the Maine Food Strategy. No, I think, um, you know, the only point to make is that I feel like this this strategy, the more people can kind of be involved in, in, in implementing it and working together to make sure that the work being done in the food sector follows the goals and outlines set up forth in this because there was a lot of time and thought put into this by a lot of people that really know what they're talking about. I feel like it would be, you know, anyone, any more folks that can be involved and make sure to be able to implement these effectively would be helpful. Okay. Okay. That's good. Um, Erica, was there anything kind of like I was just gonna, burning on the tip of yeah, your tongue? To I just sure? wanted to, you know, hammer home just the, this idea that, you know, um, you know, especially from, from a farmer and, and possibly like a fisherman's perspective that, you know, problems or um, things that, that you could see be improved in your business and your, and your livelihood, um, there's likely someone else in the state that's also either worried about it or working on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that often, you know, you can feel pretty pigeonholed in where you live or what you're working on, that you have this problem and, and you know, you just, you just wish you could connect with someone else. And um, I think that that is the strength in, in what the food strategy is trying to do is that, you know, that the problems that um, and areas for growth that you've, aden- that you've identified, um, you don't have to work on them in silos. You know, um, I think I, I'm remembering back to a farmer conference that I went to about two years ago in Maine. And, you know, you're, we were in a session and, the, and the, the topic just kept going back to farm labor and farm workers. And how do you how do you train them and how do you keep them and how do you make sure that they're going to, you know, continue to. To, to work in this field and be successful. But that was just a group of farmers, you know, talking. Um, but really what the food strategy is doing is kind of taking that to the next level and then, you know, joining the farmers with the workforce development people and the business um, people that also also care about that and want to work on that. Um, mm-hmm. So just, just reminding people that anything that you've identified as an area for growth or something that, you, you know, you want your farm or business or, um, you know, fishery operation to turn into, someone else likely also wants to do that too and and we'll work with you on that yeah and i imagine that if you're out on your farm or out on your boat you could feel kind of somewhat isolated definitely Um, so it's good to know that there are other other similar thoughts happening out there yeah and and places to band together um tanya did you have any um just a couple of things i thought of adding um one of them was just a note that for the december 2nd network gathering we're going to have some scholarship resources available um, for registration costs Um, we'll have some information up on our website about that probably in the next week or so um, if that's anything folks are interested in Um, and i also just wanted to note that um, in doing this work and just talking with people, there is an amazing amount of good stuff happening in Maine. I mean, I think the state in a lot of ways is moving in a really positive direction, and I think it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, And from the perspective of the food strategy, what we're hoping to do is sort of keep our eye on that ball for long enough to really take it to the next stage. Um, I think there's been times in past history Um, where there's been a lot of interest in local foods um, or organic production or a lot of things that folks care about. And as economic conditions changed, people lost that focus and and things sort of started to slip again. And we're we're trying to keep everybody uh, moving in the same direction long enough to really kind of create a sea change. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I thought... um 
you kind of mentioned maybe that just that economic piece, but I was just curious what uh, kind of motivates or keeps that momentum in the positive direction going. Um, and it seems like some of the things there have been, uh, Brianna had mentioned a couple of times, things about climate change, there's pieces about sustainability. Um, I was just wondering if there are, if you can identify maybe certain situations that are kind of pushing people to get back, uh, I don't want to say back on track, but you know, to get a little bit more motivated and enthusiastic about coming together for this work. Well, I mean, I think this is part of a national and really an international movement that we're seeing with people um, really getting interested in where their food comes from, recognizing that it's important how it's produced and who produces it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been growing for at least a decade or more. Um, and I think it's because of all of the ties that food has to, um, to health, to communities, um, people really starting to see that this is such an important system that we need to figure out how to make it work better. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's some of the drivers. And I also think that certainly climate change is on everybody's mind. And I think um, the food strategy presents an opportunity if we're able to get this initiative um, going and sustained over time for the state to think about adaptability um, and do a little bit more planning and, and just as a, as a state thinking about how we, um, sh we accommodate some of the shifts that are occurring, both in markets and in climate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's, I think I think just to echo that, you know, this is like the main food strategy, right? So it's not just the organic food strategy or the conventional food strategy or the fisheries food strategy. It's really kind of like this holistic idea that we have to move in a direction um, as a state to keep our food system sustainable and viable um, and, and beneficial to everyone that lives here. Um, and so it's not... It's not just one thing for one segment of the food system. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's pretty holistic, like like Tanya said. Yeah, okay. I think that's a great point, Erica. Okay, Brianna, I was just going to ask you if you had any from the fisheries realm, kind of those uh, those drivers to move things in this positive direction. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, just basically to emphasize everything that the other two speakers have said. I mean, I think that what we really need to look at is making sure things are more integrated uh, and also just more diversified. I mean, I, I think that, we, you know, in the fishery side with the monoculture that I spoke of before, the fact that this is better linked with the rest, that this could be better linked with the rest of the food system in Maine and thinking about diversified activities within that is, is really exciting. Um, and I feel like that you know, the, the easy way to think about that is not only to preserve kind of the culture and um, adapt to climate change along the coast, but also, you know, economically, the, the food system in Maine is just a huge driver. And the more we can find economies of scale by working together, the better it will be. Okay. All right. And then um, we only have a few minutes left, and I just wanted to think about the, uh, the framework just curious, would you see this as kind of um, a living document or where do the changes come along and is that really driven by the interest of communities and populations? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we de we're definitely seeing the framework as a dynamic document, even though yeah. it's published in hard copy. Mm -hmm. um, what we hope to see happen over time is that it provides a starting place for us as a state to continue to check in. And as I mentioned before, to see if we're making progress and to also adjust as, as people see other areas that they feel need to be focused on. Okay. All right. 
So it's not static. It's definitely dynamic. That's the that's the sense I get from all this today, for sure. Um, well, we are getting into just the last couple minutes of the show. Uh, I wanted to remind folks that you've been listening to Common Ground Radio, and today we have been talking about the Maine Food Strategy Initiative and their recently produced framework to help move uh, Maine's food system into uh, more positive directions. And um, our guests today are, have been Tanya Swain, who is the project director for the Maine Food Strategy. I want to thank you, Tanya, for being here. Thank you. And Erica Emery from Rustic Roots Farm in Farmington, steering committee member. Thanks. Thanks so much for being here today. <laughs> and on the phone was Brianna Warner from the Island Institute. Brianna, I wanted to thank you for being uh, here on the show with us today. My pleasure. Okay. And uh, I just want to remind folks that Common Ground Radio is heard the first Friday of every month here on WERU uh, at 10 a.m. I want to give thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our show. And uh, again, I am your host, CJ Walk, and looking forward to seeing you folks on the radio in another month. And stay tuned for On the Wing uh, with Joel Raymond. Support for WERU comes from Tuloons Farm in South China with Jersey Cows producing Mofka-certified organic milk for Organic Valley, Swallowtail Farm yogurt and dairy products, Imagine Dairy Farm artisanal cheeses, and Fuzzy Utter Creamery artisan cheeses. Information about bulk cheese milk and registered dairy cows at 441-4169. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Mountainville Records, running a Kickstarter project to support